As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you? How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about discussion of Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Ruffett. How are we doing today, Chris? Back in the news. Jesse, I'm excited to be here in the news. I'm excited about tabletop gaming. I'm excited about the Lone Star Open. So much going on. I played my first game of Shatterpoint last night, but we'll talk about that more on a different podcast. Things are good, man. It's an exciting time. As I mentioned and alluded to last episode, we went from having lighter MCP briefly to back on it. July is a full month again. So AMGs, they chose the respite times at correct intervals. I'm super excited about how different July is going to look for the game. And as you just said, end of July, we will be at the Lone Star Open. So July is just a big MCP month for us in general. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all the news spoilers that have been revealed over the last couple of weeks that, of course, are the models and things coming out in July that we actually know everything about now. I love being in the news. I love being back at it. We know everything about them, and there's a lot to know. Well, let's not waste any time and take care of a little business. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. That's right, Chris. And also, Fury's Finest is supported by iWarGame. iWarGame makes the best marked mats for MCP, and we highly recommend checking them out at iWarGame.net. They also have some MCP merch, and they're about to drop Volume 2 of their mats so they're gonna have some new mats out in the wild very soon excellent very exciting but of course chris we cannot do the show without our patrons at patreon.com slash furious finest if you enjoy the show consider supporting us on patreon and when you support us on patreon you'll get immediate access to our private discord community access to more features of the painting gallery with no name run by the enigmatic dr d and of course the incredible Fury's secret war league that also our patrons could participate in run by the wonderful Patrick, the greatest. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, even if you're not interested in those things, depending on your tier level, you get a bonus episode of the podcast. But most importantly, just giving a little bit of money jumps you in this community and gets you talking. We have a really fun time in there with really wonderful group of people from across the world. It's very true. We have an excellent, excellent group. But of course, we have to give a special shout out to one member of that excellent group today. Our patron of the week is Rich Salas. Rich, thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. And of course, Chris, we not do the show without our Avenger producers. They make this show happen. They get their name read every episode because they're a producer. Rusty, Rich, Puyan, and Sean. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's get into 
our June news roundup. So Chris, we're starting our news like we always do with our affiliation list updates. And this is the most accurate and up-to-date version of the affiliation list because we will not have a new affiliation list update until, you know, probably mid end of July when all these new models come out and we see where they land. But just starting off right at the top, A4, Scott Gwynpool and Squirrel Girl. Strong additions. It's a stacked roster, whether or not they're super, super competitive, sixth threat leader and whatnot, but it's got an incredible just list of heavy hitters, right? Yeah. And two more wonderful ladies added to the list of this incredible team. And of course, Chris, you know, copy and paste what you just said. The Avengers got Gwenpool and Squirrel Girl as well, an already stacked roster, an amazing team. They're good in all the teams. Yeah. No need to go over how Steve's leadership and Sam's leadership will benefit them. That is for a different episode, but suffice it to say, they're both really strong. Oh, there. don't forget about that Hulk busting leadership, which you know oh, no. is a super flex, but we're getting crunchy. I think I mentioned in our Hulk Buster episode not terribly long ago, Chris, that models with damage reduction like Gwynpool are oh, even yeah. better in that team because it's adding damage reduction on top of their damage reduction when related to throws and dodges. So Gwynpool, watch out for her and the Avengers. But closing out, Chris, there's only one more place to talk about with these two new models in the game. And I think this is probably the coolest one. Gwynpool is a criminal syndicate member. Coolest one confirmed. Great job of taking some heroes and, you know, extrapolating a little bit from their origin or early stories and, and splashing them in a bad guy team just to keep it fresh. I enjoy it. Yeah. And we're going to get to why Gwynpool will be in the criminal syndicate in our future episode when we do her, which I'm really looking forward to. But speaking of something I've been really looking forward to a long time, Chris. We're jumping immediately into a new character coming to MCP, Cosmic Ghost Rider. That's Frank Castle with the Spirit of Vengeance. Something very near and dear to my heart, as I've talked about on the show, because I think it's just, I think he's an impeccably designed character that is just fun. And sometimes that's what you need in comics. You know, you did call for his inclusion into the game far beyond him being announced, of course. So kudos to you on that one. I legitimately did not think that they would introduce <laughs> this version of Frank Castle in whatever year bit. three. Yeah. I thought this was more like a year eight thing. <laughs> We're approaching year four though. We're about to, you know, yeah, it's man, it's awesome. Far out. So uh, love it. Yeah. It, love. It's incredible, but yes, extremely cool that they brought him in. The model is well liked by many. I'm not a huge fan of the globe wheel myself, but that's just me. Ah, I'm being, yeah. I'm being picky on that one. Tale as old as time. I've I've heard this debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People I, not I, I understand I'm the one in the, the wrong globe. here. Don't worry. No, it's not to say wrong or right. <laughs> it's stylistic choices, you know. It's, some people don't like certain aesthetics, but I think if you have any qualms with Ghost Rider's cosmic ball wheel, I definitely on his don't bike, dislike it. Just don't prefer it. And I'm not saying this to Chris. I'm saying this just out loud to the world. I think you just need to read his comics and see how it works. And you'll, it makes more sense. It is one of those things that in the comic, it works perfectly. The translation to the physical 3d miniature, I could see it just not translating quite the same way. You know, it's kind of like doing like thruster trails on X wings or something. It's hard to get these effects, right? It's hard enough to get the pose, right? And the capes and the, the little doodads and what's it's on the armors and whatnot. (laughs) Uh, yeah, but yeah, to get the the extra, you know, you think about like Jean Grey's magic or yeah, yeah. psychic uh, representation Tough. on her model. Super hard to design that. Maybe even harder to put it together. But 
it is pretty yeah. cool when you do get it together. So I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's like an interesting design space and, and a very hard one. I have, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. What they did get right with Frank Castle's Cosmic Ghost Rider sculpt is I've already talked about in recent episodes. I'm just so happy the inclusion of the clear helmet. Yeah. By original pictures, it didn't look like it was an option because for some reason the Studio One doesn't have the helmet on, but then they showed on the streams, you can do helmet version, which I think is just more of this iconic pulpy design he has, you know, this like Mars attack style, which I really like about him so much. But we got to jump into his card today, Chris, and what he's going to look like on the table in Marvel Christ Protocol. Of course, I will say, you know, when you listen to our news episodes, these are more initial passes. We're going to be right or wrong in multiple ways, and we will return to Cosmic Ghost Rider on our primary show episodes when we do our full lore and strategy deep dive. These are just our initial thoughts, you know, and hopefully we're right, but, you know, we're often wrong as well. So keep in mind, he is a sixth threat character, which is crazy. Not many of them in the game. He is the Cosmic Ghost Rider, and his alter ego is Frank Castle. His defenses are 4-4-4. He has a stamina of 9 on his front side and a stamina of 7 on his backside, giving him 16. He, of course, is a size 3 character and keeping consistent with our old Ghost Rider. And he is a large base model with a medium move, putting him up there with Malekith as one of the fastest characters in the game. He's pretty speedy, that's for sure. I love the straight 4s on defense. Just very... Very cool. It's nice. It looks good. Yeah, Yeah, it uh, looks really good. Only a size three, but it makes sense. A lot of that size is coming from his bike, right? Yeah. So let's move into these attacks here. The first is an energy attack. It is Hellfire Blasters, range four, strength of six, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Cosmic Ghost Rider gains one power. So it is a gainer, Jesse. Loving that range four. Absolutely. I think the gainer is intentionally built in with his design, or he'd probably be out of control if he could have a regular strike of some kind. Great attack. Range four, six dice. And, you know, I will jump ahead to the end of his card a little bit uh, without talking about the drawback, but he does sometimes, if not often, most of the time, count skull results as positive results on attack and defense, similar to a la Dormammu or the Scarlet Witch. So, that makes this attack even more ridiculous, Chris. Like six was already ridiculous for a builder attack at range four, but now we're looking at like some weird math where you're netting an entire result on every single dice you roll, which of course is compounded by crits and the explosive nature of MCP dice. So this is obviously the most potent gainer in the game, but this is probably one of the most potent just basic attacks in the game as it is. And uh, you should respect it. And unfortunately, you can't get away from Ghost Rider, so he's probably always shooting you. No, he's... He's shooting round one and he's shooting every round thereafter. He just is. Yeah. But moving on, he only has one more attack. And of course, it is the. <laughs> it's a doozy. The, you know, the, the creme de la creme. Of course, Ghost Rider's got to have this. It's a mystic attack. This is the power cosmic pennant stare. It has to be performed at range two. So you got to be really close to him so you can grab their head and do that to their, <laughs> to their face. But it is a strength of 12, one of our highest strength attacks in the entire game, a power cost of six for this spender attack very expensive and similar to our old ghost rider the target enemy character does not gain power for damage dealt by this attack the 12 dice and this part are why you're doing this attack the next yes. part the yahtzee coming up very exciting but i'm just i'm taking a moment to talk about the strength 12 when you're counting skulls too you're only really going to do this when i think you're in your skull mode and you just want to remove a threat without giving them power right 
unfortunately, Chris, we're going to see a theme. Six power is pretty tough for him to get because there's so many cool things Ghost Rider can spend his power on shortly. But I will talk about there is a I don't even know what you call this. A we would normally say like a, a this is just a trigger, but it's a every die face trigger. So we've got if you get a crit, a wild, a hit, a block, and a skull. So obviously no blank. But I mean, if you get if you've got everything, it's a full house. If you get a full house on somewhere within these 12 dice, you will get dust to dust. Change each of the target character's block results to skulls, critical failures. So weirdly, not as good as Pierce, because Pierce can actually remove yeah. like wilds and stuff. But if they rolled a lot of defense, it's just going to turn them all. It's going to help you guarantee to remove this model in theory. Yeah, it, it eliminates one of their dice results. So that's good. And you're not counting on this dust to dust and i don't even know the math of how high it is it's not going to be super high but it's gonna be fun when you do it yeah it should be all right let's talk about his first active superpower it is interstellar hell cycle <laughs> love it it's going to cost you x power cosmic ghost rider may spend one to five power to use this superpower place this character within range x of its current position where x is the amount of power spent this superpower can only be used once per turn so with his large base this is incredibly effective it's nuts i mean it makes him the most mobile character in the game even one power is a pretty decent move in terms of ranges it's a bump midnight sun's bump right yeah and with that massive base it's just it's just very 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 good he can get wherever he needs to be whenever he needs to be there. Well, just think about how incredible the storm hop is in the hands of a good X-Men player, right? With just mall base models, right? So this is the storm hop just fully maximized out, but this has full mobility because once again, you're just placing. So you're ignoring terrain. You're, you're not having to move around or, or lay. as long as you can land, you know, somewhere where you spend the interesting part of this, Chris is, you know, you know exactly how much you're going to spend and what range you're going to place. So you just figure it out. You know, you're like, Oh, I only need to yeah. place range two. I thought it might be a range three place. I'm, I'll pay two power and place range two and double hellfire blaster now. Right. And get two power back. So it's, it's incredible. I think it's something you're going to do pretty much every time you play him because you know, the classic Ghost Rider has Hell on Wheels, where he just advances along. Absolutely incredible. But this is even much more, this is much more versatile and, you know, quantifies more how this bike actually performs because it's like a spaceship. It's not actually right. a bike that's going really yeah, fast in one direction. It's, it's got right? the power cosmic, man. That's right. So I love it. I think it's essential to his kit. But you're also, you're seeing a theme where I just said, I don't know how often you're going to cosmic pen at stare because... You're going to be paying for all these superpowers. And the next superpower of which you're going to be paying for, I think, as much as possible is an active superpower called the Chains of Sidorak. Costs two power. Choose a character. Mm. Character. Ally or that. enemy. Love that. So I don't know if many people have talked about that yet, but it could be an ally. And we'll talk about that shortly. But choose a character, ally or enemy within three of Cosmic Ghost Rider and push it towards Cosmic Ghost Rider short. Then the chosen character gains the incinerate special condition. A character can be affected by the superpower only once per turn. This is not some of those powers where it's like you do it to one model and that's it. As long as he can pay for this, he can move as many models as he wants. That are in range, right? Yeah. So I really think this is his best ability easily. Also keep in mind too, as long as you place where you can double attack someone, you can always pay for this as well, right? Right. Um, 
in theory, maybe twice. Because if you Hellfire Blasters, you're getting one of these off. And pres- presumably during the power phase, which we'll get to shortly, you got enough power to do another one of these. So I think this is insane. I think him having... This is the coolest part of his kit by far. Because, I mean, he's this attrition nightmare. But on top of that, he's just got web lines like crazy that he can even do his own teammates. I love that. Some of the things people might do with it, it might be as simple as like moving a model back to where they got pulled off to all the way to something as complex or just like turn zero E of like pulling Dormammu up the table round one, right? And get him in position, right? Who, you know, is immune to incinerate. Exactly. I think you'll pay the cost of moving your own allies to incinerate them, which is a crazy thing to say because incinerate is so scary, but it's just free movement for allies as well, but it's more effective on enemies. Absolutely. So let's move on to his first reactive power here. It is Cosmic Justice on Wheels. It will cost you three power. If an allied character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect, after the effect is resolved, Cosmic Ghost Rider may use the superpower. Cosmic Ghost Rider makes a Hellfire Blasters attack against the enemy character that caused the effect not as good as Bucky's got your back because obviously shorter range, but it is Bucky's got your back for three. You know, you're going to get a Hellfire Blaster off, so you're going to net back one. So it kind of costs you two. I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's it's more damage on him, but I just, once again, I think you're paying as much power as you can for Chains of Sidorak and the Hell Cycle, and you're just not going to have a lot of money left to <laughs> to pay for this. It feels very situational. Whether you want, you're going to want to do this or not it depends on how flush you are in power how close to flipping the character or how close to either being dazed or KO'd the enemy character that uh, you'll be able to resolve this against is, you know, there's just a lot of factors uh, going into this including the game state. So this one, unlike chains of Sidorak feels way more like a time and place, Mm -hmm. maybe once or twice a game, unless something's going crazy later rounds, of course, it's really nice to have in the kit though. It's, Oh, absolutely. It's so good. Well, and sometimes you're just going to have so much power in him, you're not going right. to do. But I think what's tough about this, Chris, is I feel like when you end his turn, I don't think you're frequently going to be on three power. I think you're going to be like on like one or two power. Yeah. when his turn. And so you want to be on three power when he ends his turn to be ready to respond when his allies are hurt. So it's interesting. Uh, I like how it's this version's Ghost Riders protecting his team. Unlike, I think maybe the more powerful version of this is classic Ghost Riders, where he's like, "Oh, you're attacking my allies. You've got crits in your rolls. I'm giving you auto damage." Right. So it's just it's very thematic, but it is harder to pull off for sure. And I assume you know more as we get more time of Ghost Rider on the table, we can figure out exactly when to do it best. But we got to close out his card with his innate superpowers because they are absolutely essential to his playstyle and figuring him out. So his first innate superpower is called I'm the Spirit of Vengeance, bearer of the power of cosmic, and just a bit unstable. During the power phase, this character rolls five dice. For each crit, wild, and hit rolled, this character gains one power. Then if this character has five or more power, this character gains a psychosis token and then drops all objective tokens it is holding. At the start of the next power phase, remove all psychosis tokens from this character. So before we get to the psychosis thing shortly, you're going to get one power for the top of the power phase, and then you're going to roll dice. Very cool, right? So you could get up to like five power, right? And we've talked about this. Um, But the average of this is like two and a half or three. The power you're going to get during the power phase, which is just excellent, right? So that kind of frames a lot of things because you're like, oh, I can hell cycle for for three, 
round one, double tap, have two power, change the center X someone. Like there's a lot of things you can do, but let's talk about the psychosis token because you do get a psychosis token if you have five or more power, which was kind of the whole play pattern of him. And once again, why I think it kind of, I push back again on like, do you really want a cosmic justice on wheels? Do you want to leave him on three power? Right. And like keep that psychosis token around probably. Right. So let's talk about what this psychosis token means. He has another innate superpower called ready to roll at the start of the first power phase. Cosmic ghost rider gains a psychosis token. So round one, he's going to have this no matter what. While Cosmic Ghost Rider has the Psychosis token, it counts skull results in its attack, defense, and dodge rolls as successes, which I said earlier. And while this character has a Psychosis token, it cannot hold, contest, or interact with objective tokens. So he's sixth threat nebula that can sometimes interact with stuff. Because if you're burning all this power off of him, and then maybe you get a little unlucky at the next power phase, or Chris, even better, you burn all his power. Let's just say you get like four power at the next power phase. Well, you're now you're cooking with gas. You can interact with objectives and you got the maximum amount of power without going psychotic. I love the lore, but it's crazy. I could be very wrong on this, but the kind of high skill ceiling on this mm. psychosis token, to use it like super effectively and really get exactly what you want out of it, yeah, just screams pay to flips to me. Especially with his mobility, if he can interact with those pay-to-flip objectives, Ooh, that's that's slippery slope. Though it's, it's extremely slippery slope you're because like, you've got four power. You're going to need one power to interact with everyone you're going to try to. So maybe you can interact with two. On well, that. it's got to be, and it's got to be a turn you're not psychosis. So like, so you have to drop the psychosis token. It's complicated. Round one, he can't interact with any of those pay to flips. He can't interact with any extracts, no matter what. I love that design future proofing. Because like you could have easily just like not had Psychosis round one. He could have placed range three, picked something up with a picked up a hammer, started going to town. I'm glad they didn't do that. But what's scary about this character and really tough to play is you could just have a psychosis token most of the game. And honestly, Chris, I think that's going to be his default state. I think 60% or yeah. more of the game, he's just going to be in that mode. And so you should play him as such. I think it's like a it's a happy accident when he doesn't have it. And that's and when when it happens, you're like, oh, I'll play him a little bit differently. But I think you're playing him this whole time like he's going to have it all game, which is perfectly fine with how hard he hits. It's their way of balancing him out, right? Like he kind of hits like yeah. a truck. A truck. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say like he <laughs> If his dice are average or above average, like he, he's just going to pull his sixth threat weight easily, not difficultly, yeah. right? So that's why they did this, which I absolutely love because you've, you've got to play the rest of the game very different because you, you're investing sixth threat into a model that can't play the game, but he plays the game by removing enemy models through attrition and by moving enemy models off things with Chains of Sidorak, inadvertently making the opponent not score, evening out his weakness of not being able to score, which I absolutely love. And, you know, closing on his card, he has the long litany of innate abilities which i love yeah, flight you know is there right has to be we're still a little bit upset that classic ghost rider doesn't have wall crawler i know because we've seen him do it but he has flight and then he has immunity to bleed hex incinerate and poison so essentially he has ghost rider immunities to a lot of conditions which is perfect kind of helps make up for his lack of defensive tech outside of the psychosis token counting skulls right yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because he will, if you want to remove him, you can remove him. It's possible. The problem is, is he's one of the best characters in the game at spending power, right? In the hands of a good player. So if you do lay into him with a lot of shots and rerolls, stuff like that, you will daze him. But now he's waking up. He's going to, he's going to 
hell cycle wherever he wants. He's going to pennant stare someone. He's going to change the Sidorak multiple times. He's going to do yeah. some sequence of events that's just going to make you pay for that. So it's really tough to know when to lay into him, which I absolutely love. And you know, Chris, nothing changes on his backside except his health goes down, like I said, to seven. So he is weaker on the back, which is nice. Yeah, man, this character is very scary. Very interesting character. And he comes with some interesting tactics cards. That's right. So let me read this first tactics card, Chris, that is actually not him. It's just another Guardians card because we do know that he is Guardians of the Galaxy affiliated, even though we don't have the new affiliation list, which is nice to know. It's the Galaxy's Greatest. It's Guardians of the Galaxy active tactics card. Up to four injured Guardians characters may spend two power each to play this card. Characters that spent power to play this card gain a big dumb hero token characters with a big dumb hero token add one die to their attack and defense rolls now this card is incredible obviously you read this you're like, awesome. oh, this, this is great but huge drawback to this is you know injured you know they've got to be injured to play this card so there is like a sequence of events where it's like am i playing against an objective team well this card just might be a dead card mm, right? great point yeah the web warriors might not be worth taking against them Absolutely. So like, this is a wonderful tool against like a Black Order team, right? Because you just know they have a goal to daze you, right? It's very powerful, but I, I want to, you know, talk about that it really is kind of a tech card of, of, in some ways, you know? So that was wonderful. You just got to know when to play it, which is tough. And I also think too, like knowing, do you activate this early in a round when you have like two injured models? Or yeah. do you activate it the next round when those two injured models maybe survived and then you got one or two more injured models, right? Now you've got like four but did you have four because those 200 models at the top of the last round got removed or something, right? So, And you just lost a round of that extra dice, too. Yeah. So it's like, maybe this might just be worth it, Chris, just for, like, say, Rocket and Groot are injured. I'll just play this. And, you know, the Deadly Duo turn. Disgusting. Kind of silly. Kind of silly. And uh, Groot hitting harder and healing more and stuff like that. So it's interesting. I think it's going to see a lot of play. It's just we got to know when to play it. And we'll see when that yeah. comes up. All right, Jesse, we've got another one with a lot of text. It's time travel. Don't ask. It is unaffiliated and reactive. During the cleanup phase, after the victory points have been scored, an allied cosmic ghost rider that is not contesting an objective token may spend five power to play this card. Cosmic Ghost Rider may advance medium towards an objective token you are not securing. If you would now secure the objective token, you immediately score one VP. Then, if Cosmic Ghost Rider has a psychosis token, he may remove it. So as I read this, it negates the psychosis token he has on him to be able to score for this very specific card play, right? Yeah, because he'll just get the psychosis back next exactly. power phase, right? Potentially, right? More than likely. More than likely. Keep in mind too, Chris, with this card, it's kind of weird that, you know, you don't have to be a certain distance away from the objective. You could just use the, I guess, worst case scenario, you could just spend five power to use this to advance towards some objective and get back in the fight. Obviously, it's better for this effect, which is like a little bit of VPs, which I think is cool. I don't know how often you're going to play this card because I just feel like affiliation cards and things like that are just so tight right now as it is got to really find a place for this though i think this is gonna be a really strong kitchen table card and just a little bit more movement for ghost rider which nothing wrong with that now this next card i'm very curious on how much play it's going to see and i I think it it might see some play so servants of the titan it's a black order active card because of course 
Cosmic Ghost Rider. It's got a storied history with Thanos, but during Cosmic Ghost Rider's activation, any number of Black Order characters may spend one power to play this card. Now, keep in mind, you have to be a Black Order team to even play this card, and only Black Order characters can spend power each to play this card. So for each power spent by a Black Order character to play this card, roll one die. For each crit, hit, and wild, and blank in the result, Cosmic Ghost Rider deals one damage to an enemy character within three of him. For each skull and shield in the result, Cosmic Ghost Rider suffers one damage and gains one power. This screams Corvus leadership to me. Absolutely. Just because I don't think a Thanos Black Order team is going to want to play this because they're already so narrow. You're just getting less out of it, right? And keep in mind, Chris... Think about how narrow you'd already be just starting with Thanos. With all his gems. With two gems. That's how you play them. Yeah, two gems. And then Cosmic Ghost Rider. So we are sitting at a whopping 14 threat before we even added more Black Order members. So you're just going to get less use out of this card. I think this is probably absolutely in your 10 if you're Black Order list and looks very enticing, exciting in a Corvus list. And I don't think the drawback is much of an issue because you gain power. I agree. On a character that couldn't use that power so well. So even if, if things break wrong, what, it's an extra change of Sidorak the next turn? Oh, no. This turn. During, yeah, why not? You're right. You're, right. Turn. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Also, auto damage is nuts. It's like, if you could just like get through on a model two or three damage without them rolling defense dice just to, just to remove them, and you could do this at the top of Ghost Rider's turn, like, oh, he's, he's uh, range three of Iron Man. Iron Man's got two health left or something and you know maybe i get some damage through and remove him and before i decide what i want to do is my actions my attacks and stuff and not spend attacks on the model that i'm by before i health cycle somewhere else and then tap someone else right or you could do some sequence of that event backwards right so i love it chris and i we've talked about on the show we're already both so intrigued by corvus leadership just in general yes it's just something we haven't we haven't had the time to do it you know <laughs> like mcp is already so tough to play on a consistent basis, your main team. So to find time for secondary teams, but I'm more interested in Black Order than I ever have been before because of this character, Chris, because <laughs> I like Cosmic Ghost Rider as a character. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I do think this is a Corvus leadership thing only. That's okay. And I think uh, it's got its place in that list to just help you get some more damage and remove models quicker and do it all the while being a little bit wider. Because I think with Corvus, you're pretty much going to be, I think the average of this is like maybe three to five people are going to be paying a power, right? On a Corvus team, depending on the width. Because a lot of the Corvus teams are Corvus, Proxima, some combination of like Black Dwarf, Super Giant, you know, Black Swan, and obviously Maw, if you can fit him in, but you're probably not fitting Maw in the Cosmic Ghost Rider game. So it's like, that's like, three or four black order members paying a power to potentially yeah. do up to three or four triggers of this very interesting that's cosmic ghost rider we're going to cover him more in the future but those are our initial passes on him but chris we got to move on to a very exciting crazy different character ulysses claw also known as just claw i just want to say from the get-go i'm so pleased that we went full comic book representation with this model just extremely pleased. They leaned into his, you know, where he is in the comics and everything with his power set and the model is just incredible. Yeah. I'm super excited about it too. It's, it's funny. It's like, I would take either version of claw and be super excited, but obviously this version of claw is actually more exciting from a gameplay standpoint, you know, and then the other claw is more the criminal arms dealer, the criminal mastermind of, of Africa and, of course, the Jesse Andy Serkins 
fan club over here. That's what that really <laughs> that is. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I love him so much. But yeah, that and what he brought to Claw, I thought was incredible because he kind of he disappears. He doesn't. You don't really see him and his physique and his accent and everything. He's he's someone else. So he's really done some good acting. He did a great job. He brought a kind of a. I would have rather they gone the comic book interpretation, just lean into it. But he makes sense for brought the a lot of life to a character that could have easily been just flat extreme like absolutely that, that character was 100 him especially with how little screen time he has oh i know he saved that character with just his inflections his comedic timing he's very good at being a jerk like you know it was it was great and not even i don't even want to say a lesser actor just maybe an actor not as well suited to the role just i think that character would have melted into nothingness and you just wouldn't have remembered claw at all perfectly said yeah i think everybody remembers claw which is saying enough you know but let's get into ulysses claw and marvel crest protocol so his name's claw of course his alter ego is ulysses claw he is a five threat character so we're we're talking big characters today chris we went six now we're going down to five that's all mcp is anymore right it's very exciting and he has an interesting stat line his defenses are three physical five energy and three mystic, obviously that five energy representing that he is made of pure sound. They can manipulate energy and sound. Of course, I said he's a five threat character. He has seven stamina on his front side and seven stamina on his backside, respectable 14. He's only a size two and he is a small base medium move. So he's a standard mover. With such an interesting defense line, you know, there's going to be some interesting defensive tech in here, right? Just right out the gate. We just talked about guardians. He's a He's a guardian's counter in a lot of ways. Yeah, and we'll man. talk about that shortly. But I mean, easily we can just say at the top end, represented by five energy defense. Very nice start to fighting all these energy attackers that have been showing up in the game lately. And, you know, people like the guardians who are just, I don't think, ever going to go away. No, and they shouldn't. No, they're too awesome. Let's start with his first attack. It is an energy attack. He's all energy, folks. He's literally a bundle of energy. It is Sonic Blast, range three, strength of six, with a power cost of zero. After the attack is resolved, Claw gains power equal to the damage dealt. So standard strike here. On a wild, you will trigger suppressive before damage is dealt for each wild in the attack roll. The target character loses one power. I love this. I love that we're playing more with this, this Psylocke take some power away. Of course, Rogue really yeah. started the the trend and we're playing into it a little bit more and more. Fantastic. Agree with you completely, Chris. It's just one power, you know, but we It is we just know how one power, is. but it adds up. It adds up. On a wild and a crit, you will trigger stun before damage is dealt on this one. That's why we're getting the harder trigger, I think, but also that is the correct and only way we like our stuns is before damage is dealt. It's nuts. <laughs> and it's of good. course, stun reduces your opponent to only gaining one power when hit with your enemy effects, no matter how much damage you do. Oh, stun so, affects even game states too, right? So it's like any instance where you gain a power, yeah, it's less. So, yeah. you know, sometimes obviously things like on character cards, like innate abilities and things like that are affected by sun as well. So it's absolutely incredible. Chris, I think this is one of the cooler strikes in the game where it's, it's just very like good. Six dice is respectable and excellent. Energy is excellent because it's the least representative defensive stat in the game. And then also the stun before damage is dealt, followed by a you also lose a power. Mm -hmm. It's got some control, which I absolutely adore, of course. Yeah, Shocking he's no one. 
I'm excited about the possibilities with this guy. Yeah, and I think he's going to be the ones that are tougher to crack, but let's talk about more of his card and those possibilities. So his next and final attack is another energy attack called Sonic Shockwave. It's a beam five, strength of seven, power cost of five. Looking at you, Cyclops, it's got a <laughs> wild pierce. Change one of the defenders, of course, defense results to a blank. And also it's got kind of whisper built in from Black Bolt. After the range tool is placed down for this attack, destroy all size two or smaller interactive train features that overlaps. Of course, this is thematically fun, but more importantly, Chris, this does remove cover before it can happen, of course, right? Because it's when you are shooting the beam down, you've declared the attack, all the size two terrain is removed. So your your opponent obviously can't benefit from cover later in the attack sequence and the modified dice results. So a good spender, it's mainly just the the range that's good beam five is pretty wild on like a gamma yeah five power costs is pretty hefty but you know you're gonna you're gonna use this once maybe twice a game and hopefully it's going to be awesome absolutely we got to move on to his superpowers but more importantly and more excitingly chris got a leader you and i talked about certainly on the after dark and off mic and a little bit on the main show we had thoughts and ideas that maybe claw would be cs and the fact that he is a cs leader i think makes even more sense at least in this design space i think it's very cool because he's a very selfish character and they're representing it through his black market entrepreneur affiliation criminal syndicate that of course you know he's that black market leader in of course africa and part of wakanda which is you know they nailed that part but this leadership is i think giving us a strong taste of the direction mc AMG is going with affiliations that have multiple powerful leaders already, right? You can have these flex leaders with things like versatile strategy. And I think this is a prime candidate for versatile strategy. And not every leadership has to be the primary leader's leadership. And I think they're showing us that. Like, I think Hulk busting Avengers should have been a clear indicator of this in the future of a flex Absolutely. leader, right? When clearly you're going to Steve most of the time, but occasionally you'll, you'll Hulk buster it up. And this is no different. So let's read what this is all about. When an allied character is dazed or KO'd, that's nice, it's dazed or KO'd, after the effect is resolved, Claw may advance short. So Claw gets to advance short, like a Sam trigger. Keep in mind, Chris, this is not limited to once per round, once per turn, blah, blah, blah. So this is a very selfish Claw leadership. He sends his goons all over the map and they're dazing and he's just getting to go where he wants to go. It's kind of wild when you think about how you're going to want to play this I mean, it is just, this team is going to be all about him exactly like he likes it, exactly the way AMG wants it, but it really, he is really going to be the star of the team with a bunch of role players around him trying to accentuate everything he does. Mm. And it's, it's exciting to think about, but it's also intimidating. It is intimidating because it's obviously... You got to play him perfectly, right? Yeah, you got to play him perfectly, basically. And it's obviously not one of the strongest leaderships in the game, but it, it is very powerful if you know what you're doing with Claw. But I think it's more interesting in the sense of... It's like a long game, you know, where it's like, I'm playing CS, I have a certain leader, some things are going a certain way. I switch to Claw's leadership with versatile strategy or something. I think it's, you know, Kingpin's leadership is a prime example of this, where it literally is turned off when the models are injured, right? So yeah, prime time to versatile strategy to Claw leadership, let him go to town, you know, while you've lost the the vigor of the early game kingpin leadership but i'm really curious to where this goes i think in the very least like this would be one of the more fun kitchen table leaderships without a doubt in the game because you're just claws a boss 
as in quite literally a boss monster or a boss in a video game, like you're just putting all your chips on letting him do what he wants to do. Absolutely. And it's going to lead to some very cool, like perfectly played claw games that are going to be absolutely (laughs) incredible to watch. I'm so happy for like the claw fan out there, right? Like this was like all two of them. Yeah. Well, that's great. Kind of weird. He's a bad guy to be a fan of. So let's talk about his first superpower here. And it is an active superpower. It's going to cost you two. It is reconstitute form. Claw removes up to two damage from itself. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So automatically there's some staying power. Self-heal. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and unique. We don't really have a lot of self-heals in the game. And the few people that can heal, it's more of a support role and this is kind of just like claws like no i'm just staying around longer right yeah not helping any of his teammates out once again <laughs> it's not support it's just making him stay around longer which i think you can easily pay for this chris with sonic blast being such a good builder attack but moving on he has a reactive superpower called the Soundwave barrier and easily the most interesting part of his kit is this and his next innate superpower so it costs three power the Soundwave barrier when an enemy character ends his activation within three of claw claw may use the superpower this character may push the enemy character away short i think this is incredible i think this is like obviously you need a ton of power to do it multiple times but we've not seen an effect like this in the game yet chris we've not seen a passive like we've got things like Wanda's hex field where people can't shake conditions. We've got interesting elements like that. We've never had a thing where it's like, oh, you move into my bubble. I just push you out with my sound outside of my turn. I love it. I I think it's kind of incredible. It's awesome. He costs five. So yeah, it better be right. (laughs) No, it's, it's very good. I'm honestly excited to play with this character. I don't know if it'll just be on TTS, if I'll end up buying his box, but goodness. That's a similar boat I'm in as well. So let's talk about this this final big one, other than the uh, the just, just innates. So this is an innate superpower. It is absorb vibrations. When Claw is targeted by an enemy physical or energy attack or makes a dodge roll, after the effect is resolved, Claw gains one power. Additionally, Claw cannot be pushed or advanced by effects of energy attacks or enemy superpowers. That's nuts. Yeah. Get wrecked, Tony Stark. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, having a energy specialist in the game, it's been a long time coming, Chris. Like I'm so happy this. it's here. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact also that he just passively gains power similar to Mysterio, I really like that because as we've learned with like Mysterio and Original Strange, basically the more you the more this happens early on, the more you kind of get your engine going and you really see the character come alive, you know? So for Mysterio and Strange, it's rolling their particular dice results. For Claw, it's just being in the opponent's face, making them attack or, or throw things at him, and then he's going to get more power. So his is more of a mid to late game, but I absolutely love it because he obviously ramps like the boss he is. And I've already mentioned he's kind of like a boss monster. And keeping with that boss monster feel, he has multiple immunities. He's immune to bleed, incinerate, poison, and shock, because of course he is. The man is made out of pure sound. It's also why he's getting power when you do the things that Chris just mentioned. When you attack with energy or physical, or you throw stuff at him, he's just like, he shifts his body around, right? And gets a little bit more power. Absolutely amazing. I think this character is just so very well designed. It remains to be seen how he's going to be on the table. You know, we're going to need time to figure him out, of course, but I'm very excited to try and play with him, play against him. I've already got some counters ready, so no worries. <laughs> you already got some counters. 
Chris hey man, I play I, I play mutants, so I have Psylocke, and she just eats him for lunch. Yeah, she eats a lot of people. A right? lot of people oh. for lunch. She's incredible. So I love what she does. But Chris, I I will say it is cool that Claw hard counters Black Panther's spender. His I energy agree. kinetic hundred percent. I could have just as easily say get wrecked T'Challa. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, there when I said get wrecked Tony, uh, but. T'Challa can still push him with strikes, though. So that's another. He is such an interesting control piece. Absolutely. Yeah, he's like this weird half control, half attrition, right? Because Mm -hmm. he's got a really respectable spender and a really good strike on top of these control variations. So I'm all about it. I'm really excited to see what he looks like in the game. Looks like on the table, as Chris mentioned, like as like a maybe all the way to a soft guardians counter, all the way to someone, of course, figuring out a master plan with Claw in the future. That's this control list, right? So there's, I think there's a big spectrum of his role. And we already talked about it before, Chris. So we'll touch on it briefly, but the sculpt is out of control. Sculpt is out of control, 100%. I remember when they unveiled it during Adepticon, I think it was. Oh my gosh. We were all freaking out. The, yeah. All the discords were lighting up. All the you know the texts were going off. It was great. And I'm still just as excited about him. The sculpt's so cool. Lover or hate the sculpt, the direction. That is a peak in the miniature sculpting like creative world, right? Where it's like doing someone actually like sound waving multiple times out of their own body and they've got different hands and 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 Pretty legs cool. coming out different points. Very like, cool. It is completely unusual in the best way possible. Okay. Speaking of unusual, he's got one tactics card and oh my the goodness. attack on this thing is extremely unusual. Jesse, let's get into it. The card is Supersonic Annihilator. It is an unaffiliated card. It is an active card. It is well-named, too. During Claw's activation, he may spend five power to play this card. Claw may use the attack shown above once this activation. So I do have a a quick question. Does this open him up to being able to use it as one of his actions, or can this be a third attack if he was already in a good place? It's just one. It's a, it's one of his normal attack actions. Okay, that's what that's what I assumed. But I wanted to clear that immediately. It's like giving so, him a third attack on his card, right? That he can right. choose for one access time. to a third attack. Got it. Now I'm going to tell you guys this attack. It is supersonic shred. It is an energy attack. It is an area five. I repeat, area five. I did not misspeak. Area five attack. Never been done in the game. Yeah. I mean, we haven't gotten anything outside of an area two. I've been I've been hoping for an A3 for a while, but now we have an A5. So, you know, see you guys next year. Um, <laughs> six strength, power cost of zero. After each attack is resolved, if the attack dealt damage, the target character gains the stun special condition. So this stun does not happen before right. damage is dealt. They will gain power equal to the damage dealt, but they will have stun going forward. This is nuts it is nuts obviously there's one drawback to this card is other than taking the card and your five you know and having the space it's it will hurt your allies just one damage like a beam would or something or like a regular a2 would but in area five i mean he's just like emitting this giant sonic boom and chris like this just this could just close the game out this could be one of those cards that it's also only five I say only five in the sense of we just went over his beam five is also five. Right. And it could just be one of those things where it's like you could just in the game with this card in the sense of you daze a bunch of models during Claw's turn and then 
they just can't pick up those extracts again and maybe you do and then the game's over or it could just table someone these are obviously like the high ends of this but right. i think the low end of this is just it's a good attack on an e-map that's what it is oof and you were already considering Claw on your EMAP if he's in your 10 models because he's got a great beam five, right? Oh, yeah. So now your questions are like, do I want to bring this card as well? I think it's super fun. I don't know how competitive it is. Time will tell. Easily one of the most fun tactic card attacks in the game, without a doubt. And just the fact that the A5 attack has now entered the design space is kind of worth mentioning just in and of itself, whether this card ends up being good or not. Yeah, I mean, we could see some some Apex villains in the future have some potentially A4, A5 attack cards, you know, with some power sets we know about. So I don't know. I'm I'm super excited. I really don't know if you have the space in this, your five when you're playing Claw, because you're probably bringing things to like keep Claw alive, like generic cards, right? So he can just do more strikes and all of his cool superpowers and occasionally those those beams. So it's more of a it's a, a good problem to have and to not have the space, but it is what it is. But Chris, that's Claw. I'm very excited about him. He's one of the weirder models we've seen in the game in a while. And I'm really excited to see what when people bring him on the table, what they bring to this community and what we can learn from them and learn ourselves. I don't know how long we've held off this long without mentioning it. We've done a good job because I think Cosmic Ghost Rider is probably my number one from this discussion today. But I mean, this is right behind him. And I know this is right up there for you at the very top of today's discussion. It's Umbaku. Umbaku's coming to the game finally. This is great. This is great because we've talked about Umbaku a lot on this show, Chris. It's we been a long time have. since we did. But he came up, of course, in his his old iterations and his modern iterations, we've both we've talked about without even doing his episode. We've talked because surrounding the nation of Wakanda, of course, and all the Wakandans we've done. So I'm so excited we get to return to Wakanda in our near future and cover Umbaku. The sculpt is incredible. Let's get into the model. <laughs> so his name is Umbaku. His alter ego is Umbaku. He's got an interesting defense line. His defenses are four physical, two energy, four mystic. He has a four threat character with a stamina of seven on his front side and a stamina of six on his back side. He has a size three character. Wonderful. And he has a small base with a medium move. I mean, he's got the old beast energy, right? So that's a little scary. Venom beast. Yeah. yeah. Venom beasts. All, all of these wonderful characters we love, but... But the Mystic being buffed I know. Up. He's He's, he's I know. eating Venom and Beast's lunch right there, right? Don't worry. Psylocke can still get to him. It's fine. There it is again. Sorry, it sorry, is. sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, he's got four threat character stats, right? He gave up one energy to buff up his Mystic, and I'm all about it, because thematically, it makes sense that physically and mystically, you're just not going to get through on him, right? And it makes sense. And energy might be his one weakness, because... He really is just wearing leather armor and, and yeah. a couple other armor pieces on top of with his leather and his fur coat, of course. But Chris, let's talk about his first attack. It's called Nobkiri. It's a physical attack of range three, a strength of five, power cost of zero. This is his strike. After this attack is resolved, Umbaku gains power equal to damage dealt. He's got two triggers, which I think is absolutely incredible. On a wild, he gets pursuit. He can advance towards the enemy short. And on a crit, he will get push. Before damage is dealt, the character may push the target character away. So the coolest part about this is like just the fact he has two different triggers that are both good. He can potentially get both of them or he can get one or the other. And the chances are just higher in general because he has both on his attack, right? So, I mean, it, it sounds very simple, but it's on those lines of like, we know how good, like just like a push on Lizard's four dice strike is, right? This is a five dice strike with a push, but also a pursuit as well, right? So there's a lot of just options to you as the player. And once to keep in mind, the push and the pursuit are both maze. I love that. I love those options. And they're both before damage is dealt. Oh, 
just even more pushes for Wakanda, right? Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm scared of you with them. You're not allowed <laughs> to play them. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about his next his next attack. It is his Spender. It is also a physical attack. It is Wrath of the Jabari. Range two, strength of eight, power cost of four. Before damage is dealt, if the target character is size four or less, this character may throw the enemy character medium. There's no trigger for that. It just happens. I suspect it is likely what you are paying for, but there's more. (laughs) There's more. On a wild and a hit, you will trigger Avalanche. After this attack is resolved, M'Baku may advance short. M'Baku may then make a Nobkiri attack targeting a different enemy character. So the first character has been thrown away medium. M'Baku will now move short up the field and slap someone with a five dice, five more dice, yeah, and likely push them or be able to move towards them even more. Yeah, after that attack is done. Yeah, and potentially get some power back, right? So inadvertently, exactly. this this the spender costs less when it all netted out. So I think this is an incredible spender, Chris. Absolutely incredible. I mean, throwing it's a sideboard awesome. character, he can throw Hulk. Come on, like that is just that rules. But also the fact that he can get a strike out of this if he gets a sequence of dice, which is not too difficult to do. It's uh, You're going to probably have a hit in your roll, so it's really just looking for that wild. So I love it. I think these read simple, but they're not simple, right? Because they're yeah. not simple because his strike has baked in displacement of the enemy characters and movement for himself. And his spender has baked in displacement of enemy characters and movement of himself and like that extra attack, right? So he's just got a lot of... like. They really nailed his like fighting style and his mobility in a really cool way. I, I'm a big fan. But Chris, this would not be apparently a news episode without another leadership out of the game, which is, you know, how wonderful of a time is it that we're in this game where we're just getting leaders left and right? I think it's so healthy for the game and so impactful, even at small scales, right? Which sometimes all that matters, right? Like we just talked about this cloud leadership, which is obviously a lower impact than like something like a primary leadership being released, but it's still a leadership that you can do, right? And I think Wakanda getting a second leadership is absolutely huge because they've needed more models and they've needed another leadership for a long time. Not because their first leadership's bad. In fact, it's still probably going to be the, the primary Apex leadership. It's just that they have options now. And this is yeah. a very cool leadership under Umbaku's leadership in Wakanda. And it's called Blessed by Gakiri, it's affiliation Wakanda, once per turn, when an allied character is contesting an objective token and would be pushed or placed by an enemy effect, roll a die. If the result is a, what I'm calling a positive defense dice result, a crit, wild, or block, the character is not pushed or placed. We've seen this before with the Winter Guard. You know, you're not banking on it, but when it happens, no. you're ecstatic. Yeah, and it's it's going to throw a monkey wrench into your opponent's plans into their scoring they're not going to be able to get you off that point when they really needed you to it's it's good but pushed and placed too it's frustrating to like pay power to like place them or something right can still throw them though of course of course you can yeah so it's not completely broken (laughs) completely broken right (laughs) like you pay three power i just don't move or something yeah i it's okay and what's interesting about this chris is it's pushed or placed like winter guard is just pushed Yes. So it's just a slightly buffed up Winter Guard, which I also think is a very interesting choice. Well, it's got a little bit more to it here. Additionally, once per turn, when an allied character makes an attack, if there are one or more wild results in the attack roll, the allied character may change one dice result to a hit. That's pretty strong. 
it is pretty strong and it's i like these like tweaks and variations of things we've seen in the right. game so this first part is a slightly better winter guard not being moved but of course the, we know the winter guard have a quasi immunity to conditions which is is the real power of their leadership right and that's the second part this is a better version of their part and then the second part it's not quite as good as this first part but it's still very strong and it's a weaker version of the aim leadership which is for modox criminal syndicate which is attacks and defense if you get a wild yeah right so this is just making your attacks more consistent and i think it kind of dictates the way you're playing this version of wakanda which is very cool absolutely and it's another it's another landing spot for gambit there you go yeah absolutely (laughs) and i also think too chris it's just like it's just a solid all-arounder leadership so it's just going to make you focus on playing the game correctly and well and it's just going to augment that a little bit you know, it's just like it's making your attacks a little bit more consistent. So in theory, you should be doing strikes more, right? Because you're getting a little bit yes. more power. And then it's making you a little under half the time not be pushed or placed, which is wonderful. So, but we got to move on to his superpowers, Chris. Well, he's only got one active superpower, and it is strength of the white gorilla. It will cost you two power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less within range two and throw it medium. He can only do it once per turn. This is pretty, pretty good. It's a size three throw for two. We, we love him on the show, but more importantly, it's a medium throw. This is just a lot of damage, right? A size three throw to someone for two. It's just yes. make him consistent at removing models. He's just a solid four threat um, in, in the way that a lot of mm. the four threats have been recently, yes. but each one is a different flavor of solid. They've done a really good job of changing these kits. Yeah, he's just like this bruiser, which is absolutely awesome. Very cool. But continuing with his superpowers, Chris, he has three innates, which are super exciting. Chieftain of the Jabari, this character cannot be pushed or advanced by the special effects of physical or energy attacks from characters size three or less. I love this. What an interesting way to like frame that, the size three or less, like which is most characters in the game. Right. But it keeps your hulks from, you know, it keeps your hulks online. It keeps your big, big players. Yeah. Yeah. able to still throw him and, and and it keeps it kind of lore friendly in an interesting way while also keeping it keeping it more balanced they they really did a great job of giving size restrictions on this card i think they nailed it it's crazy too because it like it further compounds with his leadership yep or it's like okay hulk punches you with a strike and does push you maybe you roll the die and you don't be pushed by that, right? So he has a baked-in good against everyone size three or less, which is most characters in the game. But then occasionally he'll get that leadership trigger if you're playing his leadership. But I also think it's just cool because the theme is just sick, Chris. He can go toe-to-toe with any size three model, really. Is what it yes. Means, which is a Absolutely. lot of big characters. Big, you know? It's like, so I don't well, know. I think it's very cool. There's there's one more big thing here that I just adore, and I'm That's- I'm glad we're here. It is solid frame, another innate superpower. This character does not suffer damage from collisions with other characters. Incredible. Again, yeah. Right. But on someone that's a little bit more mobile than Kingpin, uh, not reliant on a a certain style of play. That's right. And it's good to have another character with this, this superpower in the game just because throws are nuts. Throws are nuts. And yeah, just taking out a whole part of that throw equation for this right. character in particular is really nice. And yeah, I love it because it disincentivizes your opponent to throw allies at him to hurt him. Right. So he's just not being, it's just making his health more consistent overall. Right. Really. 
Well, and it forces your opponent to make a choice too. Do they want to reposition another character or do they want to try to put damage on M'Baku? Because he can suffer damage from terrain throws. Yeah. So it's an interesting choice for some characters. It's also just a limiting factor for damage on him, like you said. So it's just it's just nice. Yeah, it's inadvertently making his health pool overall a little bit more consistent because there's parts of the game that are not interacting with him, right? Which is right. very cool. But closing out his card, Chris, he has immunity to stun. That's his only immunity, but what a wonderful it's a good one, one it is. So unlike Claw, I think you are going to want to do his spender on M'Baku as much as possible. And you're going to want to do this throw because it's just a size three train throw, which is medium, which is nuts. So that's six power, right? So things that's a frequent play pattern is getting six power and do those things and do the damage you need to do, do the displacement you need to do, and just be a threat on the table with M'Baku. And yeah, Chris, I'm very excited about this character, but we got to move on and close out with his cards because there's two Wakanda cards that come with this pack and it's going to give Wakanda even more life, which is very exciting. So let's talk about the first card, which is Jabari Chieftain. Wakanda and active during another allied Wakanda character's activation, Umbaku may spend four power to play this card. Umbaku advances towards the allied character medium. Then the allied character adds two dice to its attack rolls. This activation Killmonger's never gone away as a threat. And we just have another bullet in the chamber. Oh, I know for him now it's terrifying. It's all going to happen on the same activation too. So it's just two more dice on top of that already crazy focused on the kill where he gets more dice yep bingo usurp the throne where he gets more dice and oh what do you know you also paid for wakanda forever this turn where he also did attack with all those dice so he performed three attacks of a massive dice pool on you in some combination of the strikes and the spender and uh what do you know he's got special ops training and he can you know pay to make those shields count he's just going to remove whatever he wants to remove with this and i think this is you know obviously if you play jabari chieftain and usurp the throne both that's two card spots that's okay because even if this doesn't work for killmonger like in your game this is not bad to just drop on some other wakanda character because i also read this chris as like yeah spend four powers a lot but it's all attack rolls in the activation and ubaku gets a medium move i mean you could even do this on say you're playing an emap i know that's a kind of caveat we give a lot for you know best case scenario but oh yeah even even doing this on on uh, Black Panther's area two attack is just, yeah. you know, on three people, that's six total dice added. <sighs> that's a lot. It is a lot. And obviously this is going to get better as the game goes on. Cause in theory, we might get more Wakanda members. Absolutely. So there's more variability and potential for this card. All right, Jesse, we've got one last card to finish out the episode. It is the spirit of Wakanda. It is a Wakanda card. It is an active card. Any Wakanda character may spend two to play this card. The character that played this card may immediately use one of the following effects. All other allied characters within range two of this character may remove two damage from themselves. All other allied characters within range two of this character may remove all special conditions from themselves. All other allied characters within range two of this character gain two power. Extremely flexible card. Sure, he's paying for this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and the only drawback is you have to get her close to everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to do a little bit of grouping. I mean, Chris, we've been in the show, you know, approaching four years, and we already know that how incredible Wakanda is at Gamma. Yes. I can see this just being potentially just a Gamma card or just a EMAP mm-hmm. card, just a researcher card. And that's okay because this effect is 
incredible. Like it's the heels, the special conditions, the power, it's completely versatile what you want to do. And you're happy to pay even just two power off Shuri or something or Okoye to play this. And then everyone else benefits, or even if it's just like two characters benefit from this, I think you netted out the value of the cost of the card. I agree. Versus what you got. Right. Two incredible Wakanda cards, Chris. Quite honestly, you and I are not seasoned Wakanda players, but I would love to see where these come from in the future. Also, keep in mind, we know either later this year or next year, we are getting the Warrior Falls Black Panther, the Warrior oh Falls Killmonger. Oh my gosh, right? so exciting. So we don't even know how these cards are going to interact with them. I assume, without even knowing anything about their cards, that the Jabari Chieftain and Spirit of Wakanda will probably be good for those characters as well. You would assume. If yeah. they play, if they're still kind of in the Wakanda play pattern and play style, then these will definitely be good for them. Oh, so exciting. I I, I want to run Mbaku as a leader, Chris. I'm very excited about it. I know. I want to run Claw as a leader. Let's do it. Let's have a, let's have a, uh, a thematic face off of like, it could be fun. I, I think my new potential core, I would say of Wakanda now, I think you just, I think you bring Mbaku, BP, Killmonger and you just start there like you're at 12 threat and you start there maybe throw a Shuri or a Koi AM and then like someone like a Bucky like the White Wolf or something Mm -hmm. like that just someone in the background who's already been good in Wakanda for a long time and man you've just got like a nasty like you've got just a powerful and fun team which I just think is so cool. And also too, Chris, I was thinking about this leadership of M'Baku's with BP and it's just like, oh man, making his attacks more consistent and making him occasionally not get pushed. Let's go. Ridiculous, honestly. Because BP, despite being one of the earlier releases, I mean, very, very early releases, remains an incredible four-threat character. Impeccable design, right? Is what it is, so... Very good. They just nailed him. Well, Chris, that's the news for today. It was an exciting news. Wasn't as intense as one of our last news is because, you know, Adepticon's intense, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be caught up and I'm also happy to see where all these characters land affiliation wise. I think it's yeah. pretty obvious that Cosmic Ghost Rider is going to be Guardians and Black Order affiliated in order to even play the cards that come with his respective teams, but maybe he can end up somewhere else. Maybe not. Clobbing CS and M'Baku being Wakanda, all these things are clear. If they end up somewhere else, I'm curious to see. Me too. I, I don't really even want to venture any guesses. No. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I'm happy with those teams alone that they have, right? So anything else is just I, icing. I, I feel like M'Baku is going to be a solo solo uh, character, and that's fine. But that's good. I, like you said, I'm extremely excited to see where all of these characters kind of shake out uh, throughout the summer. It's going to be very fun. Perfectly said. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. You can always email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. And if you're one of those people that have like an Apple device and Spotify... If you can leave us a review on either or or both, we would highly appreciate it. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, we're very thankful for every review you guys give, for every rating you guys give. Got to ask you to please keep it up. Please spread the word. Grab your partner's phone and give us some ratings. That's right. Five-star ratings are wonderful, but if you can write stuff too, you know, we read it and it helps keep us going. And I, you know, it's all good stuff, but we really appreciate it. Of course, you can find me, Jesse, everywhere online, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, Longshanks, at the same place, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And of course, 
if you're playing Star Wars Shatterpoint or have any interest in Star Wars Shatterpoint or even just Star Wars lore, check out my new podcast. Hello there, a Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Everywhere podcasts can be found. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Strong style on the Discord. Feel free to hit me up. Well, Chris, I'm really excited to get these models on the table. And I think you and I will probably talk about our first experiences very soon with these models when they do come out in July on After Dark and stuff. But I think they're also just going to come up in natural conversations because I think, if anything, I'm very smitten with Cosmic Ghost Rider and Umbaku. I'm just so intrigued with Claw in general. Like, I just, from a design space wise, like he might not do it for me as a character like those two others two do, but a design space wise, they just Absolutely. nailed. They nailed all three of these characters. They're getting really good. <laughs> they just well, are. Yeah, and I think we're in an interesting place in the game where you can make a six threat nebula, right? You can make a five yeah. threat character who's a, an energy specialist. You can make a four threat brawler like Umbaku that's got an interesting play style like he does. It feels very Wakanda, right? So every time they release new models, I think it just gets better and better, Chris, because they've clearly learned as a company and. You know, maybe the community doesn't like it as a whole, but I think you and I really like when they release specialist models in particular because yes, they have a place in the game. They do have a place in the game, and they're usually my favorite characters to play. So yeah. that's why, like, we both love Nebula, right? Where it's like, yes, she can't do anything with objectives, but she can hit like a truck as a two threat, which is just makes her a specialist in her own right. Same with Honey Badger. Absolutely. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this return to news form. And until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 